Why don't I, um, why don't I pray for us before we get into the Word? Uh, Jesus, would you speak to us today? Would you build us up to be more like Christ? Jesus, would you show us your glory and your goodness? We want to be people who are so infused with the words that represent the truth of who you are. We want to be so filled with the powerful word of God in Jesus that we are people who overflow with it. So we ask, Lord, that that would be what you would do today, that you would show us Christ, show us the goodness that we have received in the gospel and lead us to be speakers and doers of that work. Amen. Just going to put this up. So, can you hear me? Is this loud enough? Yeah? Cool. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Um, once again, not my words. Uh, it's a quote. Um, it's often been attributed to a fellow named Francis of Assisi, which, all other things aside, cool name. But, uh, now, now, now he, this, this is just an aside, he almost certainly never said it. Uh, there's no, no reputable source to say that he ever said that. Uh, but it's one that, that a lot of us will have heard before, right? And it's a cool quote. I mean, there's something inherently attractive about the idea that by our actions alone, you can show people the truth about Jesus, isn't there? I think it's particularly attractive if you're, if you're feeling a bit nervous, a bit scared about telling people the truth about Jesus, which, which let's, let's be honest here, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but most of us have, right? Most of us do. You know, it's attractive there because it, it kind of implies that you probably never have to. Or you almost never have to. Words, words are a last resort. Words are an uncommon occurrence in, in the going out of the gospel. Factus non verbis, if you will, if you happen to know the Middleton School uh, saying, you know, deeds, not words. Um, now, that's, that's not what they mean. They, they use a lot of words up there, actually. But anyway, uh, but here's the thing. That quote isn't just misattributed to Francis of Assisi. That quote is misplaced in the Christian faith. The Bible, again and again and again and again and again and again, is deeply concerned with the words that we speak. All of them, by the way. And, and again and again, it is deeply concerned that we are a gospel-speaking people. Now, it's also concerned about our deeds. Don't get me wrong here. Um, you know, actions must be transformed by the gospel as well. Uh, and Eric's going to talk to us about that next week when we get to the hands part of this series. Uh, but, but today, we're going to focus in on this area of our tongues, of our speech, our words. Uh, and it must be said, this, this is also different to our last week that we're going to. Um, so so heart looked at the core. Tongue, we're looking at our words, and, 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 and in a couple of weeks we're going to look at feet, which is the, the places and the people that God sends us to. So this week isn't primarily just about, hey, how do you go and speak the gospel to people who don't know Jesus? It is more full-orbed than that. We're looking at how do we become a gospel-speaking people in everything. I think I'm, I'm starting to undermine myself later on in this sermon by jumping the gun here, but God doesn't want us to be a people who have the gospel just for talking to people who need to be saved. 
He wants it to be the thing that oozes out of our mouths. That's the wrong word. That seeps out, that flows out in everything. And I definitely have jumped the gun there now. Now, on the surface, it might actually seem like an odd choice to talk about this in a way, right, you know, to, to our speech. I mean, really, isn't, isn't what we say kind of a subcategory of what we do, which is what we're looking at next week, what we do, right? Um, it, it, we probably could have just gone heart, hands, feet. Um, probably could have just gone heart, hands, actually. Uh, and and that, that would have saved us a week, maybe two weeks, boom. You know, you, you get spare time. Um, I mean, you know, we just get to the next thing faster. But the reason we're not going to do that is that the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible has lots to say, heaps to say, not just about our actions, but about specifically about our words, about our speech. It seems to come back to it on a really regular basis. Even stewing in this over the last week and weeks, it's been amazing how often I've just run into a passage of the Bible that I've gone, hey, that's about our words, and I hadn't even thought about that one when I'm doing a topical sermon about our words. It's everywhere in Scripture. And there's one key idea that I want to get across this morning, which if we really get it into our heads and hearts, it will be transformative for the way that we live. And that's this. Heart transformation happens when gospel words soak into our hearts. And it must lead to gospel words flowing out from our mouths. So heart transformation primary way God wants that to happen is when gospel words soak into our hearts and it must lead to gospel words flowing out from our mouths. So let's get to this Bible passage we had read before. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth Evil. Now, this is, this is informative for how we live the Christian life, isn't it? Often we think of the words, uh, the, the, the words of the gospel as the thing that we get once for our eternal salvation and we're kind of done with it. You know, it's, it's had its effect on us. We've got the benefits and, and we're finished here, right? But then we don't really return back to it except for kind of on those occasions where uh, we're, we're addressing directly the eternal salvation of other people. Right? You know, so those are our two contexts for it. When, when I receive my eternal salvation in Jesus and when I help someone else receive their eternal salvation in Jesus. And that's, that's where the gospel fits. That's how we often treat this. But Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Meaning that if we want to be gospel-speaking people in any part of our lives, then we have to be gospel-soaked people in all of our lives. It has to be the treasure of our hearts. Jesus, the, the truth about Jesus, must be the treasure that our hearts come back to again and again and again. But the truth about God that we find in the gospel must be the treasure of our hearts, truth that we keep coming back to, right? It, it is truth which transforms us. Paul says, and, and this, these are words you've probably heard here before, but Paul says that speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. 
And he's, he's talking about not just general truth. He's not saying, you know, be loving and kind in the way that you speak to people generally. He's talking about the truth that is in Jesus because a couple of lines later, he says it's the truth that is in Jesus. He uses those words. So the words that transform us aren't just believed once to get us out of hell and into eternity with Jesus. You know, the heaven to hell card is the gospel. They're believed once and then believed again and again and again and again as they apply to every aspect and area of our lives. You know, we're to be speaking the gospel words, hearing the gospel words, absorbing the gospel words in every situation. You know, isn't this the mistake that paralyzes our ability to share the gospel? Or one of them. We treat the gospel as something we only speak when we get a chance to talk to someone about death and eternity. Right? Now, now, raise your hand if someone this last week, and there might be one or two, someone this last week has raised the subjects of death or eternity with you. Mm. Is that a hand? Well, there you go. One. One out of, let's say, two. Two out of 45. Let's take as a stab here. Right? Um, but, but this is a mistake. We think of gospel opportunities as the moments when people are having a life and death crisis. That's our definition of an opportunity. Uh, or, or when they're struggling with the fear of eternity. Now, don't get me wrong. That is a gospel opportunity. Don't miss that one. But, but then... You know, we're worried that something's wrong because that just doesn't seem to happen all that often. We, we know we're meant to be speaking the gospel to people, but we, uh, but we find that we're only speaking it like once every you know, blue moon when these, when these very specific things kind of come up. Uh, but here's the thing. Although the gospel is powerful for changing our eternal destiny, although that is the ultimate gain, uh, aim of the gospel, it is meant for more than that. The words of the gospel are given for the transformation of your entire life. Our hearts were not meant to encounter the gospel once, get saved and then move on. Our hearts were meant to encounter the truth of the gospel and from that day on, it is meant to be the music that our hearts sing along to every day and grow in knowing. That's so clear in the letters of the New Testament when you look at them, right? I mean, when you think about it, if, if all Jesus was about was your eternal destiny, what would all of the letters of the New Testament say? They'd only talk about your eternal destiny, wouldn't they? Isn't it strange that guys who were all about the gospel, Paul, and Peter, and James, and John, right? You know, they speak to your marriage? What business have they here? If all they're about is, is your eternal destiny, why are they telling you how to have your marriage? Get out of my marriage, Paul. Like, or, or what about your work, which they all talk to? Or your rest, or your engagement with government, or, or how you celebrate, or how you mourn. You know, they, they address all of the areas of our lives quite systematically. And if you watch closely in those letters, whether, whether it be Paul or Peter or James or John or you know, any of the New Testament letters, if you read them for yourself, which I would very much encourage you to do uh, again and again, um, what you'll see is that they don't just speak to every area of our lives, they speak gospel to every area of our lives. 
They, they follow this pattern. They see the gospel as the thing that transforms every area of life. And they, they, they act on that. They believe that. And they write it. You know, so Paul doesn't just say, husbands, love your wives. Lovely thing to tell us to do. Paul says, husbands, love your wives, live, bleh, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do you see gospel transforming marriage there? Peter, Peter calls servants to be subject to and respect their masters in that culture. Even if it meant they had to suffer. Why? Well, 2 Peter 2.21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Do you see the gospel transforming their work there? This happened, happens again and again and again and again. It's just the whole New Testament. We could just read through the thing today and we could go with like a stop every time you see it. Uh, do, a, do a nudge there. Um, but we'd probably be here a little bit too long. Uh, it's the repeated rhythm of the New Testament letters, the truth, the words of the gospel are to soak into every part of our lives. So Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure will bring forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. We treasure Christ when we soak our whole lives in his good news. And as we treasure Christ by treasuring the words of the gospel of Jesus Christ in every area of our lives, as we feed our hearts with his truth, well, then, then we're equipped to have gospel words flow out from us, from our mouths, do you see? We're equipped to be more full evangelists. Um, you know, we think of evangelism, the way that we use the word evangelism, the way you would even find it defined in a dictionary, I imagine, is, is you know, t talking to people, bringing the gospel to people. I didn't look it up. If you look up in the Oxford right now, you'll find that I'm saying this wrong. But, um, but you know, telling people about Jesus so that they can be saved, right? That, that, that roughly, I'm just blurting that one off the top of my head. Is that roughly how we think about it, right? Um, evangelize. Uh, evangel is, is from the Greek word euangel, euangelion. Gospel is what it means. Good news. Um, what it, what it evangelize literally as a word just means to gospelize. To, to good news eyes, to, to, to bring good news. And, and do you see how this works then? As the gospel comes in and transforms more and more of your heart, as you receive more and more for your life, the good news of Jesus, then you can be equipped to speak it in more and more ways than you could imagine, than I can imagine. Do you see how this is a bit of a positive feedback loop? It just keeps getting bigger and bigger as you engage with it. Uh, maybe at the outset, you just know, you know, let's, let's, let's hypothetical Jim here. We don't have a Jim here, do we? Um, hypothetical Jim. J-I-M. Not a place where you work out. Should have picked a different names. Um, hypothetical Jim gets saved, right? And maybe at the outset, hypothetical Jim, which call him Jim, he knows that the gospel is good to move you from destined for hell to destined for life with Jesus eternally. 
And so Jim can talk to people about it like that. He's equipped to do that right at the outset, right? And that's good and that's beautiful, isn't it? But then as, as Jim treasures the truth daily, he finds that it speaks healing into his marriage to hypothetical Heather, shall we call her. Um, and, and now when, when a friend talks to Jim, letting him know that they're struggling in their marriage, uh, or, or, or when a friend complains to him, you know, kind of moans about their marriage, uh, well, Jim's equipped to evangelise there. Whether they're a Christian or not, by the way, he's equipped to evangelise, to gospelize, to good newsize that person, to be a gospel speaker, to bring the good news, and, and, and you, he knows it's good because it's been good for him. And then, and then he discovers that the gospel speaks into his work. He's like, wow, it's even bigger than I ever realised. Jim's having a, having a streak here. He, it gives meaning to his work as he, his work is not just to men, but as to the Lord, right? That's how we understand work in the gospel. And, and now when a colleague tells you how much they, or tells Jim, how much he, they resent their job, you know, hate this thing that they have to do every day, how meaningless it all feels. Well, Jim's been equipped to be an evangelist there. To tell them, you know, maybe, maybe that, that he had the same struggle, right? You know, he always hated his job, but then he met Jesus and Jesus has given meaning to his work. He's given meaning and joy there when he discovered that in his work, it's a part of something so much bigger because he's not just serving some manager, he's serving the Lord. And as treasuring the gospel, Jim discovers the numberless ways that the gospel comes in and changes our lives our resting, our use of TV and video games, our relationship with food, our relationship with pride and with greed and with rudeness and fear, with, 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 with joy and with peace and with party. With, with, then in every area, Jim is equipped to be an evangelist there, not just Jim, us, right? We are equipped to be evangelists. Oh, man, I just struggle when people... I hate it when people are so rude, like that guy, says your friend. You know, that's, that's probably a conversation you've had with a Christian at some point in your life, let alone outside of this. I hear you, I struggle with that too. The one thing that has helped me in that struggle, no joke, is Jesus. Because I saw how rude I was to him. I saw the offence that my life held up to him and I saw how he gave himself for me. How he treated me, how he still treats me, every day undeserving. And it showed me how much grace I can have towards that rude person. You know, people will be shocked to hear you say it often. It's, it jars, it's uncomfortable, it's a bit weird because we're not used to it. But if you say it from an honest, Christ-treasuring heart, then some might hear that and need to know more. This might be the thing that leads to that eternal destiny change because someone sees, wow, Jesus is good in every part. 
you know, there's a negative side of all this we haven't talked about. If, if we're not soaking in the gospel, if we're not um, people who, who spend our lives in him, but we let our hearts soak in the things of this world, then the words we speak and the way that we speak them will actually work against gospel proclamation. It's not like, it's not like you've got the positive, which is sharing the gospel, and the, and the neutral. It's the positive and the negative, and there's not an in-between. Jesus says in Matthew 15, 19, that dishonesty and slander come from the heart. Seven times in the New Testament letters, we're warned, like they they warn Christians about the dangers of of slander and they're they're commanded to put away gossip and slander. This probably won't come as a surprise. We live in the midst of an intensely gossipy culture. That's where we are. I think, I think, I think, you know, I've lived in a few different places, I would say, particularly on your peninsula. I don't know what it is. I think, I think part of it's just population critical mass, that we've got, we've got just enough people for misinformation to be rife <laughs> and, and not quite enough for it to be corrected. Maybe there's something wrong there, but you can correct my theories later. That's not, that's not gospel. That's just John theorising. We live in a slanderous culture, typically, it's a culture that treats it like it's nothing to talk about someone behind their back. Like maybe it's an issue for others to do that, and I get upset when others do that about me, but for me to do it, well, I'm just having conversations, man. And it's a thing that I know so many of us struggle with. Maybe even many of us should struggle with it more than we do struggle against it. We just live with it like it's not that bad. I mean, this, that, that was reality for me, I think, for a good long time. It, it's just, it's just the, the kind of soup that we swim in is, is that it's normal to, to talk about people when they're not there and to, to speak things that are unkind that you would never say in front of that person. If you find yourself drawn into gossip or slander, and, you know, if you want to assess that for yourself, um, I'd encourage you, Talk to someone who you trust. Don't, you might remember last week we said that your heart has lied to you more often and more horribly and, and more convincingly than anyone ever has. If you want to know if you're slanderous, don't ask your heart if you, if you're, if you tend to gossip. <laughs> you know, it'll probably just say, no, that's just what they say about you. Um, talk to someone that you know will tell you the truth. Someone who hears the way that you speak. Someone who hears the way that you talk to others. And, you know, if if you find that that is you, it's something we should take seriously, the words that come out of us. Don't laugh it off. Don't treat it as a lesser sin. Here's what James says. James says, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Wake up. Your words are very important. If that's you, ask yourself, what are the truths that you're feeding to your heart? Don't, the mistake would be to say, okay, I just need to stop doing that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
from your treasure, from what your heart treasures, there will your mouth speak. Are the words that come forth from your heart informed daily by the good news of the gracious God who at great cost to himself forgives, who speaks graciously to you and to us, who calls us in his word to reflect that. As we speak, only what is good for building up. When Paul gives that command, you know, to speak only what is good for building up, it's in a list of rapid-fire commands that he gives in, in the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4. Um, which, and these commands, they show us what the community of believers is meant to be like in that context. And at the end, he roots it in the truth that we have received because God in Christ forgave you. Are you encountering that truth every day? Or is it something you've left back at your conversion? Or you just kind of poke your nose into every now and then? Do you encounter your need for forgiveness every day? And the gracious words of God daily? And his abundant provision for you daily, such that it would go against the grain of your heart to speak slander and gossip? Or are the words that come forth from your heart informed daily by the behaviour of others? Or by TV shows that teach you the morality of the world? Which is to be kind to a point, right? But ultimately, look out for your own desires, for your own needs, your own wants. Is your experience of others' gossip something that you allow to entice your heart into gossip? You know, this isn't just a matter of your morality. This is a matter of how we present Jesus to the world, right? This is, doesn't just have implications for you personally. When his followers are slanderous, when his followers are gossipy, that affects how the world understands the saviour that we claim to follow. I'd encourage you, if you think that could be you, take aside some, someone you trust after this service, don't delay in doing that. Don't go, well, I'll do that at some point. Um, ask them whether that's something that they see in you. Maybe ask a few. You can't be too thorough. <laughs> and if it is, take the time to repent. Take the time to experience the grace of the gospel for you. It's not something that you have to hear and be buried under the guilt of. It's something that Jesus digs you out of by his grace. Ask Jesus to lead your heart in better things. Guys, hear me here. There's, there's one reason uh, that we haven't touched on for why words are so important. And we, we must be a people who speak rightly. There's a reason for that. We follow a God of powerful words. And what's the first thing that God does in the Bible? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be light. In Genesis 1, we see him speak and the universe and life come into being. In complete accordance with his good will.
He's speaking from the heart and his heart is good. In Revelation 19, Jesus is pictured defeating all of his enemies and he's not whacking them with a stick. He's defeating them with the sword, not of his hands, but of his mouth. His word overcomes all. And his word given to us, applied by his spirit's power, is enough to bring transformation to our hearts. His word will transform us daily if we are soaking in it. His word will flow out from us and transform lives and communities and nations if we will treasure his word in our hearts. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, hey, if we do this, this and this, then he'll do it. I'm saying he has promised that his spirit is at work in his people that he is with us until the very end of the age. And he has promised to work through us and we can step confidently into that. So we can soak in his word and treasure his word, treasure him through it. And we can be a people whose treasure pours out through our mouths. Would you pray with me about that? Jesus, Thank you that you have given us treasure, and it is a good treasure. That in you, we have an inheritance, undefiled, imperishable, unfading, kept in heaven for us. In you, we have good news. In you, we have the Son of God as our very treasure. We ask, Lord, No. We repent, Lord. We've treasured other things. Our lives have been oriented away from you. And it's flowed out in what we've said. The words we've absorbed have become the words that we've spoken. We repent of that, Lord. We turn away from it. We ask you, Lord, to change our hearts and lead us to treasure you more. Lead us into your word daily. Lead us to see you there. Lead us into community with other Christians who will speak the truth with us and who we can speak the truth with and grow us to treasure you there. Lead us to ask hard questions, not to just accept the way that we've always done our lives, but to drive ourselves to treasure you in every part. And as we treasure our Lord through his words flowing into us and soaking through us, would they flow out through our mouths by your gracious Spirit's work. We pray it in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Thanks.